I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Do the midnight shadow. Ring, ding, 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 ding. Episode 256 of 20 Minute Tim's The Flagship Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm joined by Stephen. Howdy. And Martin Melly. Yes. And another week, another podcast, and more dropped points. This has been the season to talk about, Stephen. We've been absolutely abysmal, and I think if anyone had any doubt that John Kennedy wasn't man for the Celtic job, I think this weekend probably sealed it, yeah? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've tried our best, haven't we? We've tried to be positive, pointing out the small but important changes he's made in recent mm. weeks the maybe shoring things up a little bit altering the formation or the style ever so slightly but at the end of the day it's still miles off good enough in it it's just absolutely nowhere near that that stunning astonishing come from behind result uh, took us to 16 wins in 37 games lads do you remember that mm. that time where it went truly off the rails in October yeah where we started no winning games for, for ages when basically Rangers came to Celtic Park and broke us forever. We have won 16 games since that moment back in October. That's Absolutely a, astonishing. That is, I mean, astonishing is the word, Melly. This is Celtic we're talking about here. The winning machine. And <laughs> what, one thing that's just dis- disappointed me this season is, and we've discussed it plenty of times, but it was apparent again, the, the Aberdeen game, is just the players' attitude to this. It's like they've become used to not winning football games. And it's unthinkable. Yeah, I think it was the opposite before. They were just used to winning football games, so they, they knew what they were doing. They knew how to get out of it if something went wrong. But this season, it seems to be... I always said it with Lennon. I think he always gave players excuses. or oh, they're tired, they're fatigued, this, that. And it just feeds into the players' minds. And I think... I know Lennon's been going a while now, but players have been using these excuses. Oh, we want the fans back. We need the fans back. Like, just go out and win the games and stop feeding excuses. And it's got so far down the line now that... You get used to winning, but you also get used to not winning and drawing and losing. And it just becomes one of those t- seasons where we, we just need to get it over and done with. I mean, everybody could see months ago it was done with the manager and they strung it out and strung it out and strung it out for months. And we're, we're seeing what happens because, yes, there are good players in there, but they've been absolutely ripped of all confidence and all sort of mentality as well of winning. And it just shows on the pitch. People just that. 
just end this season probably the same way the fans are feeling. Just get this over and done with. I but, mean, it's the, it, do you know I think what? what? We got through a weekend without Celtic losing or getting beat. So <laughs> yes. it's I know they this weekend, guys. Yes. I mean, I think Stephen Melly's been been overly kind there, saying that the confidence and ability has been ripped from these players. I think the players are in they're they're absolutely in holiday mode already. They just they want <laughs> to get. They look like a, a, a team of eleven guys who just want to see this season over, and that's why it was surprising to me. the The lineup didn't contain more players that the fans kind of want to see. With that in mind, are we the first ever on the beach podcast? They talk about teams that are already sunbathing. Is Aye. that us at the moment? We're just kind of going through the motions towards the end of the season. Well, not uh, us, because we're professionals. No. <laughs> and we know what we're doing. Exactly. We're probably putting more effort into this podcast than the Celtic players are putting into their 90 minutes. But one, one of the criticisms that people were talking about with the Aberdeen game was, there was like, if, if, if the players are not performing and... There's a there's a there's like a lot of apathy around Celtic now. People just don't care and they don't want you know they they just want the season over and done with. We've got the Rangers game coming up that we can talk about because that's a bit of a weird one. But a game like this when there's nothing to play for, nobody's really caring about it. It was one where you're looking at John Kennedy going like, give the youngsters a try, throw some of the young team on, like give Aye. us Soro, give us some of the guys that we've we've not seen much of. I was gutted with that lineup to be honest when it was first announced when it first leaked or not leaked but was announced on Twitter. I thought what a massive disappointment that is. They're already up against it given that it was on Aberdeen's pay-per-view Jesus. TV yeah. uh, and we that watched commentary. it so you didn't have to. Our reaction is out there. We watched it so the, the fans don't have to but it was already on that. They were already up against it trying to punt this as any kind of <laughs> spectacle worth paying for and then the lineup came out and I was just like oh why are we bothering with this that is the most boring and uninspired lineup I can possibly imagine and I, I was left wondering who is this for what is yeah. the pretense that we're still keeping up that we're still playing for we need consistency of lineup you know we need to just get a, a run of wins together before the end of the season all that pish we were talking a couple of months ago that's all gone everything's gone now Give us something. Give us something slightly different so well, we can tune in and be either excited about or we can make our minds up about other players who haven't necessarily been given much of a chance this season. Just anything like that. But no, it was, it was more of the same. But one thing I will say, just because you touched on the Aberdeen thing, that commentary was absolutely br brutal. Like, <laughs> brutal. It was, it was like snooker commentary. I don't know. I mean, I know everyone's got a sort of club together here and make the best of it and all that, but that wasn't a cheap game. Uh, was it 12 quid or mm. something in the game? And, uh, yeah. You know, that guy's obviously getting paid to do a shift, but he was literally just reading the names out. And I filmed a bit of it for our group chat to, to <laughs> illustrate the point, right? And it was just Brown, McGregor, to Welsh, to McGregor, plays it infield to Turnbull, takes it to Edward. And you're like, mate, this is this is... Like really, Jamie, really that's simply unrealistic. We did not string that many passes together. Yeah, well, that was just <laughs> fantasy <laughs> stuff there. But that was that was the cadence of his voice. That was the tone of it. There was no even the Aberdeen commentator is bored of of this season. And it's I, I was reading something recently that was saying that one of the reasons Jose Mourinho was sacked, aside from the Jose, Jose, sorry, yep, Jose. One of the reasons Jose Mourinho was sacked, aside from the contractual thing about you know he was due less of a payoff depending where he was in the league when he was sacked so if he was outside the top six basically that was the cheapest time to sack him but another mm. thing was that Tottenham were concerned that there was just an apathy towards the club now mm -hmm. um, fans were not fans were beyond angry about the performances and they just did now didn't care about Tottenham they right. didn't care about Jose Mourinho and the players were starting to feel the same and that's why 
they made the decision to get rid of him when they did ahead of the cup final. I've got to say, I've been apathetic about Celtic. I've been angry, apathetic. I know I'm starting to get a wee bit angry again. I really have to admit that the lack of movement on the manager thing, and we discussed this last week, so we're not going to have the same conversation one week on. But, you know, whether or not this is going to work out won't be, won't crystallise, won't come to fruition until the start of next season. Because we very, may very well be sitting at the start of next season out of the Champions League going, see, this is the problem. We didn't have a manager in. We couldn't get the recruitment. But we won't know that until things start. But we we have got a new CEO. Dominic Mackay came in. He's now in one full week in the job. And there's really no been that much fanfare about the appointment of Dominic Mackay, really. There's the announcement from this, the, the Celtic website just to say that he's he's in the door. And, you know, it's a transition period. It doesn't start till the 1st of July. But you're surprised even that there's been no, like, newspaper articles. There's been nothing engaging with the fans or engaging with fan media. I know John Paul Aye. Taylor tweeted that he does want to engage with fans, but fans are starting to get a bit tetchy, I think. I'm starting to get tetchy. I want to know what's happening. To my knowledge, there hasn't even been, like, a standard puff piece on him and anything no, there hasn't really been no a kind of this TV is the guy uh, no, nothing like that it's a bit like you know, the, the bit in the office where David Brent comes from the meeting about the redundancies and everyone gathers around because they're expecting a, a big announcement and he just walks straight into his office and doesn't say anything <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit, a bit like that he's just turned up in his uh, controversial blue tie and brown brogues and that was the last we've seen on of, of him so he must still be rearranging his office at this point or taking down all the Pistol Pete's, all his decorations off the wall. So I don't, I don't know what's going on with him. I'm not, I mean, I'm not climbing the walls, waiting to hear from essentially a businessman and an yeah. operational position within the club. But at the same time, I would have expected some kind of obsequious interview with Jenny McCulloch or something. Oh, absolutely not even, It doesn't even, you know, that would be great, right? And there's only, I really only want to hear from Amelie to understand what's going on. Where are we with the new manager hunt? Where are we with the new head of recruitment? Are we getting a director of football? Like, all the stuff that we're discussing on this podcast, all the stuff that's in the press, none of it's been confirmed by Celtic. None of it. There's no talk of a director of football. Fergal Harkin, that went quiet. Maresca's gone quiet. Eddie Howe's reportedly stolen on his move to Celtic. That's gone quiet. Got the new CEO in. Uh, Nicky Hammond left, but his replacement's gone quiet. It's all just radio silence and people are now trying to draw their own conclusions. And it was quite a... The rumour mill was really spinning a couple of weeks ago, Melly, but now it's just nothing. And that's... I want to hear what's going on. I, I want... You know, the cynical side of me will say, well, there's season tickets to be bought in a, in a couple of weeks, whenever that's going to be. Um, there's the issue of whether or not refunds or partial refunds or extra value or whatever is going to come out. There's that issue. But I kind of want to hear for the guy in charge to understand a wee bit of what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I mean, it would be nice to hear from him, but like right now, what's he going to say? He's going to tell us, probably already know, look, there's a process going on. We can't go into the ins and outs of it because it's complex. There's, we're on the lookout for a manager. We're on the lookout for this and that, and we'll probably come away for it. Go through it all with a fine-tooth comb and go, well, that told us nothing. Because we've done that with Desmond things already. Yeah. So, well, well, hold on, he, but what I would say there, Melly, is if, the, if Dominic Mackay came out and said... Uh, we're down the line with the process of a new manager. We expect to appoint someone by the end of the month. We're looking to fill roles in director of football, head of recruitment, first team coach, and another a, a, a number of other scouting positions throughout the club. And we hope to ha hope to have those done by the the end of the season or the start of the summer transfer window. That doesn't tell you much, but it tells us more than we've got already, and it gives us 
something to look forward to. It gives us something to say, right, cool, we are getting a director of football. We're getting a new transfer system. We're getting scouts in. Right now, we Dermot, as you said, we went over the Dermot's Desmond statement. All he said was we look forward to appointing a new manager. No talk of director of football. No talk of recruitment. No talk of scouting. Nothing. Yeah, I get that. Look, I want a new manager in as much as the next guy, but it's one of these things that's going to take time. Would I have liked to have heard something from him? Yeah, maybe, but we could hear something in the very near future. And I'm a wee bit calm on the manager thing as well. I'd love to be just told he's going to be the manager. He starts 1st of June or whatever it is. But at the same time, what's a manager going to do right now that's going to make a huge difference to Celtic? There's not a lot he can do. He can he get can involved watch- in recruitment. He can get yeah. involved. He can get involved in recruiting his players for next season. Doesn't have to be on the sidelines. He can be in the back, like Dominic Mackay, working with Dominic Mackay, bringing in and looking at scouts, speaking or being part of the interview process of director of football. He can be identifying players. He can be speaking to players, saying, "You know, I'm going to Celtic." He's talking to people, saying, "Agent, you know, Mister Such and Such's agent. Can you say him? I'm going to Celtic next year. I'd really like him to be." the part of my team, can you see if he'd be keen on a move? There can be things happening right now, be under no illusion, it's not even up for discussion. A manager who knows he's taking over at Celtic just now can be making positive moves for the club at the moment. It's 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 undeniable. Yeah, that's, of course that's possible and it would be in an ideal situation, but say a manager comes in that it gets announced next week, he's going to take one look at that team, and he's going to know exactly what he needs. Because we can tell, we can tell we need a keeper, we need two right, a right back, a centre half, a left back. It's not rocket science. Everything that he can identify can be done within a week. He can go, he's going, he's going, he's going, right, this is what I'm left with. I need positions here, here, here. Right, I'll speak to the scouting and go. This won't take two months. It can take a new manager a week to come in and do this. So it's not as if we're going to need to come in and just go, oh, everything has to be done instantly. It, it can be done very quickly. A manager, a good manager will walk in and go, right, I know what, exactly what I'm doing here. I've yeah, because Celtic famously are really, really good at getting the transfer business done quickly. Really good. And we <laughs> don't have a director of football or a scouting department or a head of recruitment to, to, to do that. So a manager could come in next week and feasibly decide within a week what he wants and get it when he needs it. It's... I don't know if you've been watching the same Celtic football club I've been watching, but the, the ma- if a manager gets appointed, but-, but if a manager gets appointed this week, he's walking into a club that has a worse structure than the one that appointed all those players this summer. This is this is what I'm talking about. Is the, the 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 size of the job? I know what you're saying, right? These things can be done very quickly. What I'm saying is historically, Celtic been pretty bad at this, and to say I trust us, there's a process. Celtic have not even said that. We've had one. Powder Puff interview from Dermot Desmond saying I'm looking for a manager. That's all. So Dermot Desmond, who, crucially Dermot Desmond was answering questions that his impression of a Celtic fan was asking. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. that? It was it was framed as if... Roy like, Keane's pal Dermot Desmond said he's looking for a manager. <laughs> this is what the fans want to hear and like, the biggest question on it is, here Desmond, how much of a Celtic fan are you? He's like, oh listen, I'm, a, I'm as big a fan <laughs> yeah. as you are. That was, hit. that was what he thinks of us by the way. What... What, what my thinking behind it would be is there must be hold-ups in getting this manager. So, yes, say it is Eddie Howe or somebody like that. Eddie Howe's available, but say the people he wants aren't available at this moment in time. You can't just fling everything in the bin and just get all different people in because they're available now. If if these guys are available for come the 1st of June, then that's fine. If they all come in the 1st of June and start then, great. I'd rather that than get in Eddie Howe, somebody doesn't want, somebody doesn't know... 
get in some guy that's available now because there's only three weeks left of the season or something. It's not going to be a huge difference of getting these people in now. And a lot of these people are in jobs. So, for example, Richard Hughes is the one that maybe we're going after, all right? Richard Hughes is currently with Bournemouth. Bournemouth are in the playoff for the to try and get up to the Premier League. Do you think Eddie Howe is going to be wanting to rock the boat at Bournemouth, a, a club where he's absolutely revered to get a guy away for a couple of weeks early and maybe derail Bournemouth's promotion push? That's not going to happen. We can say, oh, don't care. It's us we are concerned about Celtic, but other people have got other concerns. Other people have got contracts to fulfil. Other people have got jobs to do. I'd rather get the right people in than just rush this all because we have made a mess of it. It's not our, their fault that Celtic are in a mess. It's Celtic's fault and it's up to Celtic to solve it. Look, th- this could become a weekly argument between me and you, Melly. We're on completely different sides of the, the Celtic managerial appointment. Just to bring it back to you know the topic of discussion, I'm just, I think it's about time now we heard from Dominic Okai. I think it's about time the fans got some concrete information about the direction the club is headed in. There's a lot of assumptions. There's a lot of people assuming about directors of football and we're doing it and everyone's doing it and it's speculation upon speculation, as you said off mic, Stephen. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot of that going on. I just want a bit of clarity. I just want to know where this, this football club's going. And with every, with every loss, with every dropped point, it just makes the situation look worse. With yeah. every player edging towards the end of their contract, it just makes me more nervy. With every time we see we're linked with somebody in the press, some player, you think to yourself, who's involved in this? You know, it's it's just, it's all a bit messy for me and I would just like a wee bit of clarity. Um, so you've heard it here. You've heard the call to arms. If you're listening to this, you millions and millions of people worldwide who listen to this, meet us in the Celtic Park car park and we will demand clarity. Yes. We want clarity. Not so that's, much change, just answers. Um, by the way, that was a joke, Stephen. You don't want to incite people to break. I think it's still breaking. Yeah, no, no, absolutely not. Look, if you want clarity on one thing, Celtic are, are offering it though. We can have clarity on the Celtic Player of the Year. Um, <laughs> Celtic unveiled their Player of the Year nominations to widespread derision. Um, the winners last year, Rodson Edward won it. He looks as if he's on the way out. Frimpong won it. A young player, he's already gone. And Cham... Obviously one goal of the season for his goal in Rome against Lazio. Um, should Celtic have bothered? I mean, uh, short answer, absolutely not. Nope. No, it is an absolute insult to everyone to... I mean, even the way Celtic announced it, with like a blurb on what each player is supposed to have done, mm. that Scott Brown was, has been the leader once again. He led by example. Callum McGregor, that, that Ryan Christie has scored fantastic goals at home. And I'm like, who are you kidding? The only reason this is happening must be due to some sort of sponsor's obligation or uh, is it to fulfill... Have Daffabet well, got a, a on, market just, on it or something? Let me just say something a wee bit here, right? Are you not just being spoiled? Are you not just saying, no, I, cancel everything because we've lost the league? I mean, we've had Play of the Year nominations probably going back to the 60s. You know, we've had Play of the Year nominations plenty of times when Celtic have no one in. Are you just not being an absolute spoiled baby about it going, oh, cancel it, everyone's rubbish? Is that no? Yes. Yes, uh, that's so exactly I, what I'm doing. But what you're saying is it's my right as a season ticket holder to be a spoiled baby about it. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that's that's usually the pattern. Look, I'll pay my money. I can be a total wee wet wipe about it. And believe you me, with this platform I'm currently on, I'm, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Melly, are you a spoiled baby wet wipe like Stephen about this? Or do you think there's better reasons? Is there? Give me one legitimate reason why Celtic shouldn't have a Player of the Year nomination other than we lost and I hate everything, right? Because that's what I'm hearing for Stephen. Well, you could say the players haven't been good if there's not been a standout player you can think do you know what he deserves to win it or even young player like right now you're thinking maybe Turnbull 
he didn't start playing till no, November. You can't legitimately. It's funny. This is what I was going to talk about, right? You, I'm looking through the squad and I'm like, right, David Turnbull. You can't legitimately give it to Turnbull because he, ha well, as you say, only emerged about October, November time. Uh, maybe it young maybe December against yeah. Leo was it? The Robbie Keane clause, though. Robbie Keane, he won the Player of the Year after signing in January. I so know, that, but he scored absolutely. like 14 goals in 11 games or something. Aye. I mean, God forbid we would have been if it wasn't for Robbie Keane that season. Um, who else? I mean, you're inclined to look at the likes of Moy, McGregor, Brown for the emotional vote. Do you know how every like Hall of Fame has like the emotional one that they, they induct in or every sort of wild card or whatever it is? Brown for the emotional vote. Uh, um, so like when they finally gave Nas a Grammy for one of his poorest albums he's ever done because yes. somebody realised they hadn't won one ever before. So would, would that, would given Brown that? Yeah, like uh, kind of along those they lines. gave Leonardo DiCaprio get, get something like that as well. Yeah, I did I. Leonardo DiCaprio got an Oscar for The Revenant, which there's not much acting in The Revenant, really. <laughs> not much. Did most of the movie. Um, yeah, so that that's the we could call that the Revenant Award. We could give it to Scott Brown for the Revenant. Um, I, I mean, I'm honestly, Odson Edwards scored a lot of goals, but he's hardly set the header. Like you could, yeah. So your, your options that Celtic have provided you with are I are Christie. Scott Brown, David Turnbull, Moel, and Usain McGregor, and Odson Edward for Player of the Year. Uh, honestly, get Ryan Christie. Ryan Christie has weighed in with some spectacular strikes for both club and country. <laughs> well, it's a Celtic Player of the Year, yeah, right? That was close. So don't give a hoot what Ryan Christie has done in a <laughs> Scotland jersey. Thank you very much. So just delete him. So you've really got Ayer. The Rambenjig defender has styled at both centre-half and right-back. Two games at right-back. They're really padding this out. Scott Brown, oh. captain leader, legend. David Turnbull is in there, Melly. The midfielders enjoyed an impressive debut. Moe Elianusi, McGregor, um, and Odson Edward. That's our. That's your shortlist that Celtic have provided you with, so you couldn't troll the vote it's, even if you wanted to. It's not short enough, in, in my opinion. That's that's half the first team has been nominated for Player of the Year. That's, that's pushing it. Who are you giving that to? It might even be Ayer, to be honest. Uh, he has probably been the most, or the least inconsistent of the of the ones suggested there I think he's been relatively solid not not without mistakes that's just that would be insane of me to say that he's certainly been you know culpable on a couple of occasions but not as much as others I think in terms of who could actually look back on this season with the least amount of regret I think Ayers probably at least up there El say I have gone to bat for a number of occasions I think he's been crucial this season I think he his goals and then he set up the one for Griffiths in the Aberdeen game as well another telling contribution mm. But even that, that would be a terribly unpopular choice as well. I just, I don't know how they're going to get out of this without, without it just being derided. Melly, who are you giving it to? I'd probably give it to Turnbull. He's one of the, the shining lights that I've looked forward to watching this season and there hasn't been many of that. He's He did come in late, but we're all saying, why is he not playing? Why is he not playing? And he's one, one of the players that will maybe come out this season will at least Turnbull look decent in it. So I'd probably give it to him because the rest of them, they've not been consistent mm. enough considering how good they have been in the past it's it's a tough one because nobody's played well but there's going to be no way you can announce this and it's not going to get derided and rightly so it's a good call actually with Turnbull because the bit of mean Turnbull's up for gone. young and played it as well he's up for young right, as well that, that's fine Game them both. But, but Turnbull he has gone from being on the fringes of things to an absolute undroppable of almost overnight uh, he started uh, Remember, he, he came off the bench against Hibs from memory, looked really good, but then lost his place again. But ever since that point, he's basically been a kind of first name in the team sheet basis ever since. So that that deserves some sort of credit to have fully established yourself 
in amongst this absolute swamp of a season. I mean, um, and looked good and scored a lot of goals from his position as well. So I, I, I certainly couldn't argue with that. You're giving it to Turnbull. I mean, I would probably give it to him. I'd pitch for Moy there, but young player. We're really padding out the young players here. We've got Stephen Welsh, right? Uh, mm. You can have Christopher Iyer again if you want him for young player. Uh, what? Yep, you can have David Turnbull again for young player. You can have Ismail Asoro for young player. You can have Odson Edward for young player. Who else do you think we've included in young the young player of the year nominations? Connor Hazard. Nope. Frimpong. Nope. Although he played for <laughs> six months, he played. Pro he's probably Did played I? more games than um, he's probably played more games than Soro, right. right? So. No, do you want me to put you out your misery and let me know if you Please. want to nominate him, right? Greg Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> see the young player of the year. What is he, 23 or something? 24? Greg Taylor, maybe? I'm not sure. But see the young player. It should really be a guy who's had a breakout season. Yeah. See putting Edward and Ayer in there. The guys that have been here for nine years between them or something like that. That's absolutely ludicrous. They've been mainstays in the team for several seasons. I've always strongly thought that the young player of the year should be a guy who's uh, just come onto the scene or just establish himself. It's daft to just go for anybody under 23. That's the player of the year nominations. I wonder how many votes Celtic are going to get. I mean, it's a, <laughs> it is like a really, it's the worst season of all. I wonder if there'll be any yeah. personal pride for the player who gets awarded the, the fans player of the year. I really, I, I mean, it's probably the only award the Celtic player is going to win this year because they're definitely not going to win any of the national player of the year mm, awards, no. really. I'm good that they've, that they've set a, shortlist as well or we could have tried to influence it maybe try to get in Cham player of the year or something like that <laughs> yes or <laughs> Ralston the troll vote with, have, you, have you seen have you seen what's happening with in Cham in, in Marseille he's having no, a terrible he's having a, a rumbling oh dear um, I was looking at it because it was in the papers again he basically doesn't hold down a starting place he's been hooked at half time I think on three or four occasions um, apparently the press were saying and this is a quote the manager is on the verge of a stroke Every time the ball goes to Olivier's <laughs> and Cham, due to his inability to understand what has been asked of him. Now, this is unusual to me, right? Because in Cham wasn't a bad player. But what I said when in Cham no. left, and I got a bit of stick for saying it, right? But I said, has in Cham really improved at Celtic from when he first arrived to when he left? Has there been a marked improvement in that boy's career and in that boy's ability, rather? And I don't think so. And I wonder if in Cham might be looking at this, going, maybe the maybe the Scottish Premier League is my level. Maybe that if that's if this is the effort I'm putting in, and this is how I'm doing in league, uh, um, maybe maybe the Scottish Premier League is my level. But would you, you know, we're going to have a a bit of a a rebuild, not a bit of a rebuild, a bit of a dearth of of playing talent come this summer, Melly. Would you want players like Encham to come back and the manager have a right good look at him, or do you just want him out with a cleared out as well? I think there's a lot of players I just want out, but I don't. I'm not don't necessarily think Encham's one of them. I think there is a good player in there, but. How long have I been saying that for? Probably feels mm. like too long now for that to be. We need to see it now and we just haven't seen it. Maybe a better manager with individual coaching gets more out of Levy and Cham, but is that still going to be enough? There was good performances, but I don't know. I wouldn't write him off because we might not have enough players, but I think he's, he's a better option than Scott Brown now anyway, possibly football-wise, obviously not leadership-wise, but it's just, I don't know. It's just another one. The only reason I'd keep him is because there's nobody else to play, not because I really think he should be in the team. 
He's had an absolute shanner of a season this year as well and hasn't looked particularly up for it, much mm. like another, like many of the players around him. But it's not that long ago that we saw good of Olivier and Cham. Last season, see when they switched to the 3-5-2, everyone yeah. talked about Griffiths and Edwards being the key to that, but Cham was hugely important in that as well. He was a mainstay in that midfield and he made a lot of it tick. It's, it's not worked out from this season, but... I'm immediately struck. See that quote where someone's on the verge of a stroke every time the ball goes to him due to his yeah. inability to under... What is he being asked to do? That's, that was my reaction to that. What the hell are they asking him to do that's causing such panic? I don't think it's that much. I mean, I don't think it's that much. He's probably just... What, he, <laughs> Control I want to play his own game. I mean, he, he never really got the best start, did he? Because Vaz Boas publicly came out and says, well, he's one player I specifically didn't want to sign and the, the ball went and signed <laughs> him and Vaz Boas has since left. Um, it's... All right, it was a weird one for Encham because he re- seemed to really be going places under Brendan Rodgers. Obviously, didn't really like the, the Celtic experience under Neil Lennon or, or, or whatever. But Neil Lennon was very complimentary of Encham before. I remember calling yeah. him a Rolls Royce and he'd played him in a couple of games. And, you know, it's clear he maybe just wanted out of the club. Was he the he was the troublemaker that Chris Boyd was speaking about some time ago, wasn't it? Oh, ages ago. That's uh, right. And then he signed a new deal a couple of weeks later. And then he signed <laughs> a new deal a couple of weeks later. Right? So it'll be interesting to see what happens when Cham in the summer. Another player that really the, the decision has been made is Patrick Klamala, the new Lewandowski. Obviously not Robert <laughs> Lewandowski. There might be a Polish train driver with a surname Lewandowski somewhere because uh, it was, I mean, it was pretty clear, wasn't it, guys, that even when we, we did the scouting report, we had real questions over the signing of no of, of Patrick Klamala. Um, the it, Polish Lewandowski or the white Jamie Vardy, as he's been known. The white other, Jamie other Vardy. Circles, oh yeah. my God, just stop doing that. Stop labelling players the next something until they've had a couple of games. Um, three goals for Celtic and basically a million quid a goal for the boy, plus wages, whatever we spent on his wages. He's off to New York Red Bulls. Obviously, New York Red Bulls have obviously got um, Andrew Goodman, another Celtic flop, Cameron Harper, went to New York Red Bulls recently. But um, it was fairly obvious, wasn't it, Stephen, early on, that Kamala, he just didn't have it. Aye, uh, there's been a... A strong reaction to this. Now, as much as I was joking on this very podcast about how I'm basically quite willing to tear into Celtic for any reason whatsoever, even if there's no justification for it, Mm. such as the player of the year, I'm the opposite side of this. I can criticise Celtic for, one, signing bad players in the first place, and two, hanging on to players for too long when it's clear that nothing's ever going to come of them. But very, very rarely, extremely rarely, did they just accidentally let a guy go who's got something. That almost never happens uh, people always say Andrew Robertson but he was a teenager at the time and only m- many years later a couple of clubs later did he go on to prove himself a, as a, a top class player but you think it, there are so many examples the other way Chifchi came in barely played and was let go has he come back to haunt us has mm-hmm. he proved us wrong I know he's only one example but there are so so many strikers that Celtic have signed and gone on to do absolutely nothing Puki is another one that comes up as well, but Puki, I think he's in his 30s now, mm. so it took him till his late 20s to really prove himself anywhere at Norwich, so if the key, if the example there is that, oh, see if we just wait seven years, that'll Klamala will be <laughs> yeah. some player, so he will, he'll be turning it up for Norwich. <laughs> now, nah, look, Klamala, he just didn't look very good at all, cannot fault his attitude, seemed to work hard, seemed to have a lot of desire about him. I gave him a lot of a lot of credit for that goal he scored this season where he got up yeah. after being fouled and rattled it in. I thought, John, this guy's got something. He, he really looks to be wanting to make an impression. But I just don't think he's good enough. And as I say, I just don't think Celtic will have willingly get, let go a guy who's got something. I don't think it's as difficult as people make out to spot a bad player. Yeah. 
because a, a lot of the theme of this is, aye, but Lennon, Lennon and Kennedy don't know what they're doing. Like, they're absolutely clueless, but pish coaches and all that. But really, how difficult is it to just look at a guy and say, he's no got it? Look, we, it's not difficult at all. We have a really difficult time accidentally signing a good player, Melly. So the chances, <laughs> if you're just looking at the odds that they were going to accidentally sell a good player, I mean, it's, it's a million to one. I'm, I'm the same boat as Stephen. I think when I said a while ago, if, if Patrick Kamar doesn't make it to Celtic, it won't be through lack of effort. It'll be simply because he's not good enough. And from everything we heard from the scouting, from newspaper reports and journalists that said... Even leaks from within the club early on. We we get told yeah, well, by yeah. somebody that early on that Klamala just... They did, even they could, his teammates didn't think and people within the club didn't think he had it. Yeah, so there's that. And then the Polish journalists are saying that I can't believe Celtic have A, went for this guy and B, paid so much money mm. for him. We always say, if you're a striker coming to Celtic, you need to have a good pedigree. And the way Kilmala plays, he's on the shoulder, he's on the shoulder of a defender trying to nip in. But how often is that going to happen at Celtic? So you're asking, who scouted this guy? Why did they buy him? Because it just didn't ever seem like he was going to fit in. And I seen him in a reserve game and he scored, he scored a goal, but I still came away saying... That guy was one of the worst players on the park there. He didn't even stand out in that. He's not going to make it at Celtic. And you can, people can always say, I'll oh, give him a chance. But you can tell a player yeah. pretty easy early on. You just, if it's a Celtic player, you maybe give them a benefit of the doubt and say, oh, hopefully it was just an off game. But if a guy's not even standing out in a reserve game, I had deep worries for him after everything that I'd already heard. But again, the guy came in, gave it his best shot and it didn't work out. It's not his fault. He wasn't good enough for Celtic and hopefully New York Red Bulls will play slightly different and probably play to his strength. So hopefully he does well out there, but I don't think Celtic will ever regret paying money for him. I think they'll just be happy to get money back, but I'm not going to give the club credit for getting money back on a player who they bought that wasn't good enough because that shouldn't happen. Plus that league's pretty rubbish. I mean, he's sort of, yeah. he's, he's definitely, the league's not the strongest there, is it, Stephen? I watched a wee bit yesterday, actually. There was some USA or MLS football on after the Carabao, the thrilling Carabao Cup final. And really, most of the appeal in that league is you you tune in, you're going like, oh, look, it's Blaise Matuidi. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Isn't that something? Oh, wow, there's Gonzalo Higuain. And that's kind of it. You just kind of tune out after that. It's really just that, oh, look at that. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's some players from the past in here today. Uh, Lewis Morgan as well, right mm -hmm. enough. Lewis Morgan tearing it up. But again, it's like, See with Klamala going to MLS, I think, well, that's kind of something in itself, isn't it? He's not going to a league where I think, well, he you know, he might go on to prove himself here. MLS is kind of, I don't want to be disrespectful about it, but it's not really a mainstream, you know, traditionally mainstream league that we would think of as, you know, any kind of level at all. It's kind of up there with like, uh, like China or something yeah, more or so less. far. They, they put, there's a, put a lot of money into it and there's a lot of attention on it just now with David Beckham getting involved and Will Ferrell, who's Will Ferrell, they'll get a, a team in it now as well or something. Uh, but no, nah, I don't think it's the highest of levels. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Another player who probably on his way out of the club's Ryan Christie. Um, it's actually come out this week that he has a contract that runs until January. So come July, he's free to get himself a, a Bosman ruling that he can move under freedom of contract six months later. So, you know, previously we thought we'd probably end up selling Ryan Christie in July, get some money for him because there's a year left in his contract. I think the writing's pretty much on the wall with Ryan Christie, isn't it, Melly? The noise is coming out that he's in no rush to sign a new contract. He's relaxed about his contract situation. From our end, Celtic fans, would you be particularly fussed to see him go? Sometimes I think about Ryan Christie. I think, do you know what? There could be a player in there again that a good manager comes in, really gets on all the wee things that he does wrong and fixes that, you could have a good player in there. Then I see him playing and infuriates me, just his lack of tactical discipline, he's shooting from all angles, seems to be like a player that you think, do you know what, he's just doing that to hit the back of the net so he can go, I scored, yeah. but the team didn't play well, so I did my Are you saying, Millie, that you're on the verge of a stroke every time the ball goes to Ryan Christie's feet? <laughs> Is that... Within 40 yards of the goal, yes, I am, because I know exactly what's going to happen. But I think he's just a guy that, decent player when he came through, one of those guys that, see if, if see if in future, if he comes into Celtic, has a hot streak, has a decent season or two, sell him, 
because we get too attached to players because the club cannot replace them and that's not the way it should be. These are the guys we should bring in. Sign a guy from Inverness, loan him out, play him in the first team, he does well, sell him on and then you bring in a replacement but we get attached to players because we'll never sign him as good as that. So with Ryan Christie, I just think it's time for him to go. He wants to go by everything we've heard and I think it's going to take too much uh, a turnaround for fans to get on board with him again because he's been one of the the one guys that's annoyed people the most this season. Stephen, the question with Ryan Christie for me is, where does he, where do you think Ryan Christie's level is? And more probably, where does he think his level is? Well, I think Ryan and I would probably disagree quite strongly on what, what his next level is going to be. <laughs> Should we sit down and, and debate that one out? I'm sure he sees himself as the next Stuart Armstrong. That's what I imagine he will picture. Like he'll probably have a look at that and he'll have a look at John McGinn. Some of these peers at Scotland level and think, well, that's probably where I should be. Because pretty much everyone that surrounds him has made some sort of move to England. Even the likes of Kenny McLean, Scott McTominay is already there. Everybody run about in Scotland already plays in England. Mm. So he probably thinks, right, I'll get me some of that. But I, I just don't see him standing out down there. Granted, us. I was wrong when I said that about Stuart Armstrong. When Stuart Armstrong was ready to move to England, I thought, I don't know if he'll necessarily stand out there because you know, powerful running, energetic midfielders are kind of ten a penny down there. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of them down there. But in fairness, he's, he's totally shown me up on that. He has become a really key part of a quite an unusual system down there where, where Hazen Hutley plays that have, have quite an unusual formation. So I did say that about Stuart Armstrong, but I was you know pretty wrong on that. But with Ryan Christie... I just don't think he's anywhere near as good as, as the, the hard fact of that. I don't think he's as good as Stuart Armstrong. I would reckon he'll be a bottom five Premier League team at best and a, or maybe like a like a perennial playoff bothering team in the championship like Middlesbrough or something like that. I, like, I can't really see him going any higher than that. Ryan Christie strikes mm. me as a bit of a luxury player a lot of times. Um, and a team that maybe needs a wee bit of magic like in Scotland they, they have Ryan Christie who sometimes comes up with stuff but you know Celtic can afford to have a Ryan Christie in the team I know he does a lot of pressing from the front and he's quite hard working and all that but, but he works hard yeah but his, I just feel like his attacking output specifically this season for Celtic hasn't really been great and I would look at clubs that might think that there are better options out there than Ryan Christie because he's not really an out and out winger he's like not really a number 10 he's not really a forward he sort of plays in a front three sometimes so I, I I really I would love to see but I'm very curious rather to see where Ryan Christie ends up and what happens to his career post-Celtic because a bit like you Stephen I don't think he's as good as any of the other Scottish counterparts certainly not as good a player as Stuart Armstrong was when he left Celtic and he's not as good a player nowhere no. near it as Stuart Armstrong's turned into well, Stuart Armstrong's a very obvious example here, but see for every Stuart Armstrong, there's a Patrick Roberts or a Scott Sinclair, and the Scott Sinclair's been quite good down south, but he's only playing for Preston North End. Different age bracket to Ryan Christie, of course, but that's that's the level he ended up at after being brilliant for Celtic. Patrick Roberts' career has stalled massively since oh, he's been at various clubs Stephen, down careful. there. I, know, Mel, Mel, I can see the, the pain in your face there. But everybody will say Armstrong, but you could just as easily go, well, what if he, what if he ends up another Patrick Roberts? Which I've absolutely no idea. I, I, I might be completely wrong. Someone might be able to get a, a good turn out of Ryan Christie, but the, I, do, I don't see him being at Burnley because that was the big link. But I don't think Burnley are anywhere near as rudimentary or boring a team as they're made out to be. Mm. I think they're just quite an unfashionable team, but they're quite regimented, quite disciplined in their approach. They've, they've, they've got pretty set formations that they're playing. So I don't necessarily see Ryan Christie fitting into that either. The truth is, I, I don't know. I don't think he's going to get 
I don't know, he might even see himself as like a, an Everton or a West Ham or something. I think that's completely beyond the realms of imagination. That's, that's absolutely crazy. So it'll be interesting to see, but I don't think it'll work out as well as he might think. That said, he might just fancy a trip to England. He might just fancy. Yeah, I mean, that, well, why don't well? Why can't I get some of that? It's, I, I yeah. think his move is more motivated by money and the opportunity to play in a different league and get a change of scenery, rather than it is you know his agent going. Oh, by the way, I've got bloody. You should have heard my phone yesterday. AC Milan, <laughs> AC bloody Milan. We're on the phone looking for you, Ryan. <laughs> Unbelievable. And he's just got a big list of clubs that want him. I don't really think it's that. I think his agents probably managed to secure a move to a half-decent English club for 10 grand right. more a week, and that's why he's moving away for Celtic. No, nothing else. Well, there might, there's nothing wrong with that. See, if he just wants to go and try himself at a higher level, even if it's at a smaller, unfashionable club, if he just wants to go and give it a go, go and test himself, absolutely nothing wrong with that because he's done everything at Celtic. Why wouldn't he consider that chapter closed? The only downside of having one quadruple trebles and, and things like that is that it makes it very easy for people to probably consider, well, what else is there? There's not really much else for me to do here, so I want to just go and play it you know, with better players I think or whatever. If that's his ambition, fair enough. It's a mutual it's a mutual part of the ways into it, really, with Ryan Christie and the Celtic fans. Yeah, Although yeah. We, we really need to be careful what we wish for, because we do this all the time. We do this Every all the time. time. We, we say goodbye to it, we say, ah, Frimpong never really done it, and then we end up with John Joe Kenny. So <laughs> the, 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 the nervousness with Celtic is, okay, you lose Ryan Christie, Let's just wait and see who replaces Ryan Christie mm. before we decide that this was such a good thing. Before he goes down the road or wherever he goes, before he likely leaves Celtic, though, he's got one final big test. Let me roll out all the cliches for this season. Eh? One chance to show us what they're really made of. One chance to show us that Rangers have had a good season and we've just had a bad blip season. One chance to finally give the fans a performance that they owe us. One chance to set Scott Brown off. They only need to turn up for one game this season. That's all the season revolves. Anything else? Have I missed any more cliches about playing Rangers? Yeah. Thanks for no. God, I'm inspired right now. Oh, yeah, God, God. I'll tell you something. Blood is pumping. <laughs> Honestly, this team right now, and here's how I feel about playing Rangers. This team are rotten. This Celtic team. This team are pish. I'm sick of making excuses for them. I'm sick of getting my hopes up. I'm sick of being gaslighted. Celtic are going to get beaten by Rangers because Rangers are the better team. And I don't care if Rangers are just out the cup by St Johnston there, or I don't care if Rangers have had difficult games against other teams. Rangers know... When they come to play us, they can beat us because we are weak-willed and this is a Rangers game that I am not looking forward to, Melly, because if we don't win it, it'll be the first time since John Barnes will fail to win any of the Glasgow Derbies. Yeah, I'm the same as you. I'm, I can't sugarcoat it anymore. I can't pretend. The thing I'm looking for from this game for Celtic is don't get pumped because that's the only thing that hasn't happened this season. We haven't been pumped by Rangers. Mm. The games have been fairly close. And look, I hope they go out and they beat them, but... I just can't see it happening. And again, just touching back in the Aberdeen game, I go from a set piece. These these problems are right. with Celtic again. Again, John Joe Kenny not marking his man. He's doing it in every game now. So this is why we want to change in the Aberdeen game. But we'll go back to the full strength and Lennon quotation marks team. And we've seen this team isn't good enough to beat Rangers yet. I think... The problem with Celtic is they've always got that in them where they'll give away a stupid goal. Do I believe Celtic can go to Ibrox and score three goals to win a game? No, I don't. I don't. I just hope we don't get pumped and we don't embarrass ourselves because we've done that far too many times this season. I think the only cliche you left out there, Jamie, was that the form book goes out the window. Form book goes out the window, window yeah. Yeah, mate, Rangers haven't won in two games, so... Ah, well, that's very true. But how many games I think have we won? Even if no, I haven't, <laughs> haven't won since the middle of February or something. Like that. But um, 
going by Celtic season, we would take the form book, try and throw it out the window, but we forgot to open the window, so it just clunks off it and lands back on the coffee book. Uh, uh, no, I would smash the window. Lands back on the coffee table again. So, uh, no, the, the form book stays very much inside the window on this one, probably. Uh, Rangers, I mean, Rangers aren't in a good spot just now either. They've gone out of the cup. And, Come uh, on. B- by the way, don't you ever, ever compare this Rangers team to Brendan Rodgers' debut season ever Never. again. Because so help me God, I will scoff so hard Let me ask at that you a question, right? Why did Rangers not win the treble? Because Celtic basically won in the league. And I thought that was it. I thought if, if you didn't have a league <laughs> competition, right, you, you just automatically should win trebles. That's the way it goes, isn't it? That's why Ronnie Dyla was a flop. You know, how many... Steven Gerrard has won one trophy, right? Albeit it's a very important trophy, right? The the, the most important trophy he can win. He's won yeah. one trophy in how many tries? Nine? Nine, nine. Yeah. nine. One trophy out of nine. This we we are we have lost ten in a row to a team managed by an idiot. And <laughs> just because we have been so crap yeah. this season, it's really made people think Rangers are something special. But no, I mean, and it makes it worse. It really does make it worse. But be under no oh. illusion, Rangers might not be special, but we are lower than special. We are worthless, almost. Jamie, do you remember you, when you tweeted that a few weeks ago, that we have lost the league to a team managed by an idiot. And a few Huns latched onto that and said, oh, well, what does that make you then? You're like, well, that, no, that's the joke, yeah. right? That's, we, are, we are being self-deprecating here. We are fully taking ownership of the fact that we've lost like, the league Huns to a bunch of Huns do not understand self-deprecation in the slightest. <laughs> no. They just don't have that in their DNA, so I'm not surprised that one flew over their bonnets. Melly, who's, I mean, what does the game mean to you? It's a difficult one. It's just that game where you think, I don't know. I don't know because it, the last game against Rangers, that broke my soul. That yeah. broke my soul. I really thought we that was the one we that. were going to win. I thought that was the best yeah. chance we had. And we went into that quietly confident and we still believed in this team, but I don't have that anymore. I don't have the belief in this team anymore. They went out that day, didn't play great, but didn't play awful and still get beat quite convincingly despite Rangers not even playing as well as they probably could have. So Rangers didn't even have to beat their best to beat us. And I just don't see how Celtic are just going to all of a sudden turn up. We, we've done this when we first started this podcast and we went to play Rangers in that semi-final. We said, look, they'll turn up today. They owe us a performance. And teams don't just turn up out of the blue, especially in April, May time. It just simply doesn't happen. This is what Celtic are and they're not very good. In fact, they're worse than that. So to go into this game and if see if the roles were reversed hmm. and it was Rangers going into this it was Celtic going into this unbeaten, having put Rangers out the cup. Do you think we'd be sitting Never. there going, oh, they've got a chance of that? You'd not go, no, let's pump them this time and really show them. So just avoid that pumping. It's it's a very difficult one for Celtic. And the, we've seen from the players in that Rangers game and the Aberdeen game, there's nothing there. They've nothing left. And I'm really worried about it. Do you know what, Stephen? Uh, let's talk about the lineup here, right? James Forrest might be fit, but I'm, I've got the hard hat on here, right? Because I'm going into battle. Um, Celtic don't have a problem creating chances against Rangers we have a problem finishing chances against Rangers Yeah. Um, so Lee Griffiths needs to play uh, I've seen enough for Edward I've, I've said it I've said it I've said it before and I'm sticking by it I've seen enough from Edward that I don't really have much faith in him uh, Lee Griffiths scored the goal against Aberdeen doing what Edward couldn't he? It, on the face of it take out all the history all the politics of it Edward is a striker out of form yeah I mean, Lee Griffiths has scored, but it's his first goal since January. So we're we're kind of 
stretching the the boundaries of what actual, what form actually means because that Griffiths, means he must have got thirty nine goals previous to January, Stephen, because he has ah, a forty yeah, goal season didn't to make his forty this season. Yet, yeah, I think in the last couple of seasons he's only got about three goals against what we we would consider top six opposition. There was one against uh, Sparta Prague, but you know, absolutely doing in that game it didn't really mean an awful lot. So I think to call Griffiths the inform one out of the two or three that we could call upon stretches the boundaries of, good of that Good slightly. thing I didn't say that then, I suppose. I, yeah, yeah, but, I just said um, Edward was out of form. I never said Griffiths was in form. What what, yeah. what you're offering me here is a known quantity versus a mystery box type scenario. Uh, right. You know, that's basically what I'm going for <laughs> here. So. Given the choice uh, of two guys who don't look like, well, I wouldn't say don't look like they want to be here, but don't play like they want to be here or don't play like they're good enough for Celtic at the moment. Still given the choice between the two, I go with a better player and that's... Yeah. Oh, it's it goes against to, every, to it goes against my entire DNA. By the way, you say this, people go, "Oh, I can't believe you're batting for you're batting for Griffiths." Jamie's has turned into a cell like that. I'm no. What I'm saying <laughs> is, I've seen enough from Edward recently, right, to suggest that he's probably not going to score any of these multiple chances we seem to be giving him against Rangers or against anybody. Whereas Lee Griffiths is there. We might as well. We've got nothing to lose. It's Lee Griffiths is the life jacket they give you in an aeroplane. I mean, you, right. I don't know what it's for. You're probably going to die, but if the plane's about to hit the water, you're definitely putting it on. You're putting it on. Right. So Stick your head between your knees. You are joking. What is that going uh, to do? That's, that's where we're at here. The plane is crashing. <laughs> we're going towards the water and we're having a conversation with the guy next to us and he's going, I'm not putting a life jacket on. I can swim. Well, mate, okay, well, I'll tell you what. It might not make any difference, but I'm sticking it on. I don't know if that analogy works, right? But, you know, that's what that's what this podcast has become almost famous for. Shoehorned in analogies. A plane crash, yeah. <laughs> plane crash, yeah. Well, yes. if, if there's an analogy that works for this season, it's probably that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I, I get that. Uh, but that's how little we have got to cling on to just now. We're looking at the very most recent game, the very last game we played, and the very last goal that was scored, and it just so happens to have been by Lee Griffiths. So we think, well, he's probably more likely to score now because he has done so. But I still think it's very flimsy at the moment with, with Lee Griffiths. I, I've said all along, he's still capable of getting goals here and there, but as far as a, being a top-level striker or someone we can rely on, that I think that ship as has sailed as, or that plane This has is the crashed. way I'm looking at it, right? As a human being who exists in a physical body, right, with the technique and ability to play football, you know? Like, we've all done it in Championship Manager. You just throw on the 45-year-old striker that you've been kicking about the club for ages and hope that you can stick the ball <laughs> in the back of the net. That's basically where I am with Lee Griffiths. Uh, if we had, I don't know, if we still had Bio at the club, right? I might be sitting here saying, might as well toss Bio on or Clamalla. You know, it's just, it's so desperate for me. I, I understand what you're saying, Stephen, and I would normally follow the logic of just play your absolute best players, but we've done that. We've done that. We did that in the last game. We just sat here Sorry. and criticised the manager for playing his absolute best players against Aberdeen when we wanted to see something different. All I'm saying is, let's extend that. Let's extend the that notion. They least suspect it. Right, let's extend that notion of something different to Lee Griffiths, Melly. No, it's not for me. I'm, I'm tired of Lee Griffiths. I'm done with him. And like, see if he started after half an hour, he'd be blown out his arse. So what good's that to us? Bring no Edward on after half an hour. Griffiths will score two by then. <laughs> <laughs> I get what you're saying that look, Griffiths might score but I just think Odson Edwards a better player better all round player and he's more reliable than Griffiths so yes I'm inclined to think if Odson Edward plays he won't score but he can do it in a, a second a wee moment of anything from Edward that might click from Lee Griffiths he's just 
I'm done with him. I'm right, okay, so who are you having in goal? Who are you having in goal? Scott Bain, probably. Oh my god, who's at right back? John Joe Kennedy, <laughs> did he want it? <laughs> this is how John Kennedy picks the team. I know this is that in no, that exact box. Left back, Melly. Probably go with Taylor. Right. To be Who are your centre halves? Iron Welsh. Iron Welsh. Yep. Right. Midfield. Uh, if it was me, I wouldn't play. <laughs> Do you know what this Brown. is like? This is this is exactly like one of those famous moments during the season where Neil Lennon turns to John Kennedy and they both shrug at each other. <laughs> Remember, we've seen it so many times. Just, I, I don't know. Stick on bowling goalie for all I care. We'll uh, try uh, that. Aye. Right. So you're not you're not picking Scott Brown, right? Okay. I'm not even going to get into the logic behind that. You know, compared to the logic of Edward and Griffiths. But who are you playing instead? Yeah, I'll play Sorrow. At least he can run and move about and not leave massive gaps open for Rangers to run through. So I go with Sorrow. Sorrow and McGregor, I take it. Sorrow McGregor, yeah. Right, you playing the diamond? Are you playing the four two three one? What are we doing? Yeah, if we can, if Forrest fit, I'd play the four two three one, and that's another reason I'd play Sorrow because I wouldn't want Scott Brown playing the midfield too because he's bad enough in a diamond. He gets overrun, so I'd go with that. So if, Turnbull, Elianusi, Forrest behind Edward. McGregor and Sorrow in midfield. There you go, Stephen. You are you happy at that? Would you take that? No, mm. and yes. Right, no, no to the first question. Yes, I would take it. No, <laughs> I'm not particularly happy with it, but uh, I, yeah, I can't really, really disagree with any of that. I, I have similar levels of enthusiasm for the the team choices that, that Melly does. Um, I think I'm I'm deeply worried. Scott Brown is is always a factor in these games towards the end of his career, but I'm deeply worried about the fullbacks because I just think they're going to get ripped to bits again. Like if they put if they do. Similar to what they did the last time and stick a rebo out there and Ryan Kent, I think we're really going to massively struggle here because the fullbacks, as I've said before, are among the worst I've seen since. I mean, I mean, ever t- yeah. to be honest, ever. <laughs> I, mean, I, I might be able to co- be corrected on that, but in terms of what we've got in store, backup, there's not even anybody missing at the moment. There's nobody <laughs> out. These are the, the the first choice fullbacks. I think they're absolutely brutal. The the pair of them. Uh, or th- all three of them or all four of them that are available if you include Ralston I'm really really worried about that because I've got no options it-, it would be crazy to me if we ended up just sticking Ayer at right back despite what the club claims has been heroic at right back we- I would end up with Beaton in, in defence so I- you know what? I'm very very worried but about do you the know what? You- you've just reminded that's probably no the worst idea because with Beaton and Ayer you're getting more height more presence in the box, better protection for from set pieces. You're getting better protection for set pieces, presumably, with those guys on the bench. Ayers all right on the ball as well. It's not like John. It's not like we're losing anything replacing John Joe Kenny because he's no marauding up the pitch anyway. Ayers actually better going up the pitch than John Joe Kenny is. I know eh, in, in central defence you're losing Ayer when you're replacing him for Bitton, but it's maybe it's about getting bodies on the pitch in important areas. Uh, the, the fullback position. You just look at it and go, how the hell did we end up here? How did we end up <laughs> with these? Full- I, I, I put out, I, I looked up on Y Scout last week just because of my own curiosity to see, you know, how much of a downgrade is John Joe Kenny from last season's or the last season of Lustig and this season Lustig, like Lustig's numbers putting out, and also looking at the defensive numbers for Johnny Hayes compared to Greg Taylor and Laxal and. Greg Taylor is an improvement on Johnny Hayes. There's no doubt about that. But the numbers John Joe Kenny's putting out for Celtic are almost identical to the ones that, that Lustig's putting out for his current team in Sweden at the moment. And they're way off what Lustig was putting out, even in his final season for Celtic when we all said he was done. So, so John Joe Kenny is, we've replaced an ageing Lustig. And now as we sit here today, we've got a, a fullback in who's worse than an ageing Lustig. <laughs> it's, 
it's again, it's another careful what you wish for. And yeah. even even if a guy is so abundantly clear he's done, he's edging in his thirties, he's had a load of injuries, and he's just slowing and slowing down. We can still do worse, and we did. And it's, <laughs> and it comes back to that thing again. Maybe maybe squad profile, the profile of player, is something Celtic need to be a wee bit more careful of. The, the, we've ended up in a situation with a lot of players who don't like to head the ball, who don't have the minerals to stick their head in dangerous situations, who can't keep their eye on a player, who can't do the difficult side of the game, um, and we're very, very soft. And Rangers have got a team that can hurt us, and I really think that's what's going to happen this weekend. I think Rangers are going to hurt us this weekend. I just feel like we had a lot of the wind taken out of our sails against them in the Cup, because we'd Celtic, you know, made a big song and dance about that, and Scott Brown's last chance to win a trophy, and all that amounted to nothing. All the mystical fantasy, energy and hope and all these spells that we were trying to cast and, and throw everything in apart from actually being good at football, all of that amounted to absolutely nothing against Rangers. And we've got now a team coming off the back of a poor performance against Aberdeen that I just expect to get beaten, frankly. I just expect them to get beaten. And the only thing I can really think Celtic are doing, and it brings us back to the top of the show here, right, is waiting until Rangers win the league officially like they're crowned champions and then the very next day come out and announce the manager so people stop immediately talking about Rangers winning the league that's the only mm. thing I can think Celtic are maybe trying to do Rangers win the league they get the trophy all the rest of it the next day you're in the paper saying here's our new manager and then that shuts up all before then didn't we yeah, Rogers. that shuts up all the talk about Rangers winning the league and I think that's what I think that's what needs done and I think I suspect and I hope that's maybe what's happening but as for this game no expectation of anything other than defeat, Stephen. I see what you were talking about there with the fullbacks and the the profile of player that we go for. Do you know how we ended up with John Joe Kenny? We just sold the best right back at the club and ended up. We've ordered John Joe Kenny like you would something off Just Eat, but we were so desperate that we didn't sort it by ratings. Mm. We sorted it by distance. We just we took the, the <laughs> yeah. fullback that was closest to us. Liverpool's just in the road. We'll get John Joe Kenny and get him. In. We'll, don't how good is he? Doesn't matter. Don't read any of the reviews. Just bring him in. I've got one sort of expectation for this game at the weekend. Mm. I think Scott Brown will play right. And I've said it before, I said it at the start of the season, very rarely in football do you get to ride off into the sunset. And the way things are going for Celtic, the only thing I can see happening for Celtic this weekend is Scott Brown getting a red card at Ibrox in his final oh. game and just that'll, that'll be the icing on the cake. Did the Gerrard, his yeah. final appearance against Man United, went on the <laughs> pitch and got sent off like a minute later or something like that. <laughs> he was like 40 <laughs> seconds or 15 seconds or something. <laughs> on the pitch. God. Oh. Uh, comes full circle. So, guys, now that everyone listening to this is absolutely buzzing for the game <laughs> yeah. after hearing us talking about it, you could put this on in Sunday morning with the Rebs, get a, get a charge in you and listen to us. No, <laughs> listen to us well, punctured look, your enthusiasm. One thing that we always have, Stephen, which has been an absolute <laughs> joy, is the, the live preview show. So we will be there, live preview show, we are going to bring the enthusiasm, we're going to bring the tunes, I'll probably have the tequila again, I'm probably going to do that <laughs> to help me get through this match, that's what we're 100% going to have, if you want to be part of what we do, patreon.com slash 20 minute times, check it out, loads going on there just now, but on that bombshell, Stephen, would you like to say goodbye? Yes. Smelly, <laughs> would you like... Choked on something Smelly, <laughs> would you like to say goodbye? Good night. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. 
Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.